Hello, everybody. I'm Matt Mikuchi, and you are listening to the Jazzy's podcast. Hello, everybody. Jazz's online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to the premiere episode of our brand new podcast series of regular conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today. A series that we have decided to simply call the Jazz's Podcast. True to our premise, we're delighted to welcome our very first guest on the series, Connie Han, who also appears in one of the albums of our Jazz's Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz's editors. That is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. Connie Han has grown from being a rising star in jazz to one of the art form's most acclaimed visionaries and unique voices on the scene today. The New York Times has described the pianist composer as the rare musician with fearsome technical chops and a breadth of historical knowledge. Her new work, Secrets of Inanna, certainly reflects the verity of this statement. Due to be released on September 23rd, its compositions are inspired by the Sumerian mythology of ancient Mesopotamia, specifically the goddess of love, sensuality, beauty, fertility, procreation, and also war, Inanna, a fiery and independent woman who does as she pleases, often without regard for consequences. We take the new record as the starting point for a stimulating conversation about music, history, philosophy, fashion, and much more. So fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Welcome to the Jazz's podcast. Hey, Connie, welcome to the Jazz's podcast. Thank you for having me. I've been listening to your, your music for a, a long time now, and these are exciting times for you because you're preparing to release a, a brand new album, Secrets of Inanna. The, the concept behind the music of this record is, I think, is really fascinating. Can you tell us a bit about it? Yes. So, Inanna, I consider her to be the ancient proto-goddess of love, beauty, and war that precedes what most people know in the West now as the Greek goddess Aphrodite's associated and symbolic with Venus. Inanna is one of the most vital characters in myth that surprisingly not many people know about despite her being the one to really start it all. I like to say at a lot of my live concerts that McCoy Tyner is the original gangster of modern jazz piano, as I have a mm. tune named after him called For the OG. I consider Inanna to parallel that in that she's the OG of the mother goddesses. And so is there a part of you that identifies with her? Yeah, so it's a pretty 
comprehensive and rich lore uh, that she encompasses. And there is an amazing comprehensive retelling of what is considered the cycle of Inanna, mm-hmm. which comprises three different stories or epics that uh, were painstakingly translated through from uh, fragmented ancient cuneiform tablets from uh, the area known as ancient Mesopotamia, mm-hmm. but which which is now Iraq, Turkey, and Syria. And these three poems describe her uh, journey from a young woman, a humble, more ordinary young moon, which is actually one of the uh, song titles. And she ascends and eventually evolves through uh, many trials where she sacrifices herself, ultimately dying and then resurrecting and is ultimately rebirthed into the queen of heaven and earth. And uh, the main story that I really identified with, first of all, was uh, The Descent of Inanna, which is probably the most famous Sumerian myth. Uh, It's, to me, one of the most impactful because... In this myth, she experiences death, rebirth, and resurrection, which is an incredible uh, and universal archetype that has repeated itself throughout myth in the ages across like a myriad of different cultures. This is a very uh, common myth that has been around for millennia. And the idea is that you go through a rite of passage where from the beginning you're like a, I wouldn't say a child, but you're not, you haven't reached enlightenment yet, let's say, Mm -hmm. or you have, or you are like 50%, 75% of a person and you haven't uh, paid your dues. Let's say I like to compare it to almost being like a, like a young jazz musician. Yeah. You haven't gone through the trials. You haven't done the work. You haven't faced the inner savage, which is what Inanna sets out to do. Uh, I consider Inanna, well, actually, I don't consider, but scholars, people in general, consider her to be like a hero. And the hero archetype is probably the most famous archetype in myth. And she is a hero that sets on a quest to find herself by facing her inner darkness, which is exactly what she sets out to do when she descends into the underworld. And uh, in descending to the underworld, she needs to confront her uh, older sister, Ereshkigal, who is the queen uh, of the underworld. She's like the dark queen. She reigns across uh, this this vast, dark uh, abyss that I think symbolizes just anything scary, right? Anything that's outside of the comfort zone of any human. Um, the reason I love mythology and myth in general is that these are like ancient stories and ancient ideas and pieces of wisdom that can be imbued into modern living and like modern philosophy of like how to be a person. And for me, especially like as an artist and a, and a creator. 
So uh, she faces Ereshkigal, and Ereshkigal uh, kills her for her arrogance in thinking that she can gain an audience with her. This is such a <laughs> such an incredible point of the story because her corpse is flayed and hung on the wall of Ereshkigal's throne room as a trophy uh, just to show her her savage like I, I really don't care about your purity and your light that that that's what Inanna represents and in fact Ereshkigal is like jealous of that mm-hmm. so in order for Inanna to be saved and to reascend back into uh, the heavens she needs to sacrifice someone um, that she holds dear which happens to be her husband Dumuzi of Rook which is also a song title. Uh, and the Galu demons um, that work under Ereshkel's wing uh, pursue him and eventually capture him, and he is able to take her place. I'm not explaining that in the correct order. The main reason that he is chosen as the sacrifice is because he's the only one that shows disloyalty to Inanna. Uh, while she is down in the underworld. He's like frolicking with his harem of women on her throne, not mourning her. And it's like, okay, you're gone. Uh But the idea is that she resurrects similarly to um, what most people know as like the Phoenix, right? Die, burn to ash, and then resurrect into a being far uh, greater than what you originally started out as. And I identify with this story so much in that I firmly believe that in order to grow creatively as an artist and a person, you have to sacrifice quite literally a portion of your soul. You know, the amount of physical, mental, spiritual anguish that I have put into my art in order to develop my own voice as a jazz musician and to put together all these philosophies, like these spiritual things as well as the technical things in the music, um, to, to me feels very akin to the to the pain <laughs> and the sacrifice that uh, Inanna goes through in right. her journey. And I think that this is a universal struggle that many artists face where they're trying to, you know, get through the growing pains of like, what it means to have your own voice in this very oversaturated uh, environment in music right now where there's just too much information and there's jazz education and there's just so many things that can influence you. And um, I think in order to achieve the goal, which to me is artistic originality that is still true to who you are, like that is such a crazy journey. And you literally have to shed your skin and grow new skin, um, similarly to like a snake, which is also um, a positive symbol. You know, in, in the industry, it's like, oh, he's a he's a he's a snake. It's like, no. In the West, we interpret the snake as like a negative connotation, but in mythology, especially in um, Eastern parts of the world, the snake is a symbol of rebirth. So. Hmm. Inada goes through the same thing when, when she goes through this story. It's fascinating. Well, thank you for that. I wasn't familiar with the myth of Inanna, actually. I'm always blown away by how much mythology 
kind of influences and continues to influence storytelling nowadays and across all art forms. Uh, but speaking of something that you mentioned earlier in terms of sacrificing yourself, and there's a lot uh, of that uh, when you pursue you know, life as an artist and just, you know, heed the call because a lot of people do feel it as a vocation, you know. By the way, do you feel like it's a vocation being an artist? Sometimes, but I believe that it is a test of my resolve. Hmm. Uh, I operate in my life and in my artistry embracing the struggle, you know. I, I don't turn back when things get hard. And I think it's important to balance, you know, professionalism and knowing your craft and being able to do certain jobs and having a skill set because I'm very rational in that way. But at the same time, I do feel that I have been gifted an incredible opportunity to be my own artist and be a band leader and to, to have a career, to have my own voice be put forth. So I think at the same time, while I at times believe that, I think it's more important to communicate a spiritual message as an artist should <laughs> i mean that sounds very preachy i'm not saying what people should or shouldn't do but for me uh i find that that's a very important thing it, it, i feel like it's it's also just easy to be distracted because of everything that's happening but it, not, not only in a universal sense but also you know you mentioned i mean it is kind of difficult to stay true to your to your own journey sometimes yeah and this is why the myth of Inanna and being inspired by stories and especially a hero story that can be extremely illuminating to uh, developing a laser precision focus to what your vision is and communicating mm. what your vision is. You know, I have chosen to pursue my art form and pursue the cause of being a jazz musician as a band leader and as a composer and as, um, dare I say it, my own visionary. And I want to take full advantage of that opportunity by not uh, squandering it and uh, creating art that is derivative and creating art that is easily influenced by what other people say about it. Hmm. Uh, I think it's important to be humble and to consider the opinions of others only if the opinions are of people that know more than you. <laughs> Or who are more hip than you and have right. experienced more. I think it's important to have humility in that sense. But to be easily influenced by outside factors just because you're not uh, strong in your conviction of who you are as an artist, that's that's a no-no. That is so like retreating back to the bottom of the pyramid. I like to think of thing think of this philosophy as like a pyramid, like where the base is like the you know, the the, the 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 drudgery of of exists of existing <laughs> and but it has a lot to do with confidence right confidence yeah absolutely yeah. confidence and um gosh i mean in all that uh that i explained about inana the one thing i forgot to explain was just how um full of life and charisma and confidence and complexity and passion that inana is she is the most unpredictable volatile queen uh but but just so like unabashedly prideful in in who she is she, she has this conviction in who she is that that makes it possible for her to lead an entire kingdom of thousands of people and that's the kind of of confidence that i want to have 
as a person and in approaching my career as an artist and my music and sculpting my vision musically. Mm -hmm. And what I love about Inanna is that throughout her whole journey, even when she starts out as like a young woman where she has nothing, she still is that confident. There's a hilarious, I mean, I guess you could interpret it as a hilarious thing. Um, but there's a story, uh, when she confronts, not, not confronts, but she's having a drink one night with her father. It's in this poem called Inanna and the God of Wisdom. And she's having a drink with her dad, Anki, the God of Wisdom and Water. And she has the gall to get him super drunk and basically gets him so... Can, can I cuss here? <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. I'll take the responsibility. <laughs> yeah, <for it>. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. She gets him completely shit-faced so that she can take his knowledge and mm. in Sumerian um, it's interesting because they actually coin these pieces of knowledge as me M-E and they are essentially tenets that represent the foundation and blueprints of civilization and human mm. civility which concern everything art, philosophy uh, how to operate an economy like she like steals all of this stuff wow. like basically the hack to becoming a leader and she like has the balls to do that and i just love how conniving and um unashamed that she is in doing so and this is at the beginning of her journey so she has this just this confidence that uh that she has throughout um from becoming uh, from starting out as a young, humble woman into like a full-fledged queen. And I, I just love this about her because I, I see myself in her. Uh, because on stage, I like to be super, super confident on the mic. One thing I will say is that instrumentalists, they may be amazing at their music, but they are so timid on the mic. And I love being confident. I love communicating the story and making a whole cohesive experience out of it. And you know, actually, I forgot to mention, and I shouldn't have, Bill Wysaski, who has been working with me for the past decade, he was actually the one who hipped me to the concept and cycle of Inanna, uh, because he was like, yo, this is totally you. <laughs> I was like, really? There you go. He hipped me to her, and I was like, wow, this is uh, really scarily like how I feel about being a person, being confident even when you're scared. Being confident, even though you're like experiencing life. And, and making the tough decisions. Life. Making the tough decisions. Making right. the tough decisions that are educated, that are still smart and not brash, even though Inanna is brash. She's like a walking contradiction of like, you know, she's <laughs> both like really impulsive and like primal while also being extremely wise mm. and very um, uh, precocious, I would say, for right. her age at any given time.
the track you are hearing is by Connie Hahn, and it is from Secrets of Inanna, which will be released on September 23rd on Mac Avenue. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out Jazz Is Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz Is editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz Is, jazzis.com and these Jazz Is podcasts. Go to jazzis.com and click on Join Vinyl Club. And now for the second part of our conversation with Connie Hahn. You know, because when I think of Inanna, like, you know, just reading up that little bit that I read about her, she is the goddess of love, sensuality, fertility, but also war. So there is that. <laughs> so there's a dark side. Yes. And uh, it's oh, kind yes. of, you know, it's okay to, 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 to be cool with your own dark side. Well, it's amazing that you mentioned that because um, to supplement my, um, I guess, my study right now of, of mythology, I've been reading this amazing book by uh, an author and celebrated pop culture scholar, Joseph Campbell. It's called uh, The Power of Myth. And wow. he explores, he explores pretty much every single avenue in which mythology permeates modern life from popular culture to like intimate everyday like living and like achieving enlightenment like he talks about literally every single um culture mythology in every culture from the east to the west and the reason i mention him is is because he talks about this idea of suffering and how when a human suffers that is when he feels the most alive and that is when the opportunity arises for growth or ascension and he actually talks about how there are stories of men who would purposely enlist themselves in war because they felt like they weren't alive when they weren't fighting when they right. weren't experiencing trauma it's not like screwed up <laughs> like it's really <laughs> it really is yes up. for some yeah. reason i think you know it's one step away from the Italian futurists who actually uh, kind of venerated war as a cleansing thing. It's, there's a, there's almost a danger of slipping into that then afterwards. But, uh, just as long as you are able to maintain a balance, then I don't know, maybe, maybe venturing out into something darker uh, can be a positive thing. Oh, yeah. And I, and to, to me, that's actually, uh, what fuels a lot of my writing, like specifically on this record. Hmm. Um, and, actually quite a bit of what I do artistically, you know, delving into the savage darkness in order to create something really, really burning. Like, right. I feel like I hear pain when I listen to John Coltrane. When I, I feel like I hear pain when I hear the most raw spiritual jazz. You know, I... I I, I talk to a lot of people at my shows on tour and, you know, the, these people love music, but they're, they're not necessarily jazz fans. And they're like, you know, I don't like jazz because it's not beautiful. Like they'd rather go listen to Pascal Roger play Sati or, or Martha Argerich play uh, Ravel, like beautiful, ethereal, impressionistic classical music that's very consonant or mm -hmm. whatever. And, to me, what drew me to jazz was actually just how uh, 
raw and dissonant and out of the ordinary and how painful it was. Like, I remember having so many interesting conversations with tenor saxophonists uh, in school where they were like, I don't want to sound like John Coltrane's tone because it's not clean enough or it's not like, it's not like Brecker. And I'm like, why do you want to sound so clean like Brecker? Like, you want to sound like kind of, kind of raw and kind of dirty. And like, I, I feel like there's this, this, uh, this correlation between pain and hard hitting, like hard hitting music, mm-hmm. um, that isn't so clean. It's honest, but it's not beautiful. Like, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, uh, philosophy because, <laughs> I've had people be negative to me before and say like, man, you never play like any soft stuff. Like you never play anything beautiful. And I'm like, I don't want to play anything beautiful because the point of the music is to be honest. <laughs> and to me, the whole like philosophy of, of, of playing like spiritual music and playing hard hitting music and jazz is to make an honest statement that's, that's swinging to the core. And that's still who I am, you know, despite me being all like, loosey-goosey with all the mythology like that's still like a major part of um like my i guess musical profile i mean for example uh gilgamesh and the celestial bull which is the third track of secrets of inanna it is um a very aggressive piano and drums duo uh between myself and bill and uh this is a an, an original composition of mine that was heavily inspired by the battle between the hero Gilgamesh, which mm-hmm. most people know, um, and uh, Gugulana, the the bull, who actually also happens to be the husband of Reshkigal. So there's some serious sitcom going on in the mythology world. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, they battle it out uh, upon the city of Uruk and ravage the people of Uruk. And the reason this is even relevant is that Inanna actually released the bull because she was pissed off that Gilgamesh would not uh, accept her sexual advances. Hilarious. Right. No one knows this. Uh, It's actually not in the cycle of Inanna, but uh, it's in the lore of the myth. And I just love it because it's just this complete... uh, The the piece is uh, destruction embodied in a in a two minutes and 21 seconds of, <laughs> of yeah, time. yeah yeah <laughs> just complete well, yeah. destruction yeah but you dug really so, really deep with it i mean you, it's not like something that you just kind of glanced at and you're like oh yeah i'm gonna make an album about it <laughs> you you know your stuff and that's that's amazing this is this is what i find connie so often the best music but just arts in general comes from people who actually have you know, a desire to share these things that go beyond the theoretical stuff. I mean, the theoretical stuff is great and you're great at it. And, you know, you come from a, a musical background and, uh, I, I mean, you know, from a musical family. So, you know, all the, all of that stuff. But just in the, in the, in the few minutes of our conversation so far, we kind of went all over the place and philosophy and mythology and all of that stuff. And I, I just think it's great. When there's something, when there's, you know, you can, you can see that there's a passion that goes beyond just the aesthetics of it. Oh, yeah. To me, it is essential for the human and artistic spirit to be able to not compartmentalize. Yeah. To me, it's all because music is an expression of the human soul. And 
the human soul comprises of a culmination of a philosophy. I mean, philosophy, just the fact that there's like, there's terminology for these words. It's important for language, uh, but it's very easy to pigeonhole and compartmentalize like, okay, this is the study of this. This is the study of this. This is the study of bebop. This is the study of modern jazz, 20th century classical music. To me, it's all encompassing and universal. I think in those terms a lot with pretty much everything in my life. Uh, like, I actually think this way about the tradition of this music. I think it's very common in the industry and in the scene to pigeonhole, like, okay, this is swinging straight ahead jazz now. Okay, now we're swinging. It's like, no. Jeff Tane Watts actually said this in an interview where he, where he said, when you're swinging, you're swinging right now. And it's happening in the moment, all the time, even when you're playing very abstract and very modern. So to me, that serves as like a metaphor for the fact that it's important to not compartmentalize. Like once you get to a point of 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 mastery, like specifically speaking of music, like you have to start blurring the lines and uh, I wouldn't say eliminate structure, but to challenge the structure and the boxes that you put yourself in. Because I think that's that kind of rigid thinking can really uh, make one lifeless. <laughs> right. I don't know. Uh, it's yeah. it's crazy. I, I I I'm always trying to get toward trying to achieve toward the apex of this pyramid of being able to express what is directly going on in my psyche as an artist, and I think that's the goal of that should be the goal of 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 any artist that believes that they have a message to to yeah. communicate because art is also is both a selfless and a selfish endeavor finding yourself as an artist may be selfish but existing and like showing your gift to the world that is what brings life to this universe that is often bogged down by the drudgery of of everyday living you know earlier you said you don't want to play beautiful music but when you say that you're actually saying i don't want to play beautiful music right now but there's no right. telling what will happen tomorrow <laughs> yeah. right exactly yeah. um yeah. i embrace the as any um good musician i don't want to say good but as any complete musician should i embrace the full spectrum of what music has to offer because similarly to uh the spectrum of human emotion you don't just have one mode. Like, I think I would die 30 years sooner if I just stayed angry all the time. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. I mean, uh, no, I mean, there's a great analogy to, uh, the philosophy of dealing in binaries, duality and how duality, yin and yang, light and darkness. Oh, this is Star Wars now. The force. It's all good. <laughs> I love well, Star Wars is also philosophy. <laughs> well, it's also myth. And in fact, that is one of the biggest pop culture references that Joseph Campbell makes in his book uh, because right. it's the most identifiable. It was written in the 80s, so it makes sense, right? But yeah. yeah, I mean, you wouldn't have conflict without resolution. You wouldn't have dark without light. Um, and I love playing um, beautiful 
consonant melancholy music. One of the reasons I love and many other jazz pianists love Ravel is that he is able to play with such, he's able to compose with such beauty and hope that is imbued with melancholy. And that is like what I love about like a major seven sharp 11 chord or a minor 11 chord because it sounds both sad and longing, but also very hopeful. And the fact that I'm even trying to put this to words kind of disgusts me because the point of music is to communicate it without saying anything. But that's the best way that I can put it. And that beauty, uh, that ethereal beauty is something that also really informs um, the music on this album. Specifically Vesica Pisces, actually, which is my duo with the great tenor saxophonist Rich Perry. And if you want to talk about beauty and tone poetry you can listen to rich perry especially on this track he he's so melodious and just like he has this it sounds like he's crying when he's playing you know it's it's so beautiful and when i when i wrote this um tune i was actually listening to a lot of stephen sondheim which falls outside of the jazz you know idiom but he writes with very similar harmony to like Ravel, where it's just these constant, it's like functional, non-functional harmony, where there's a very centered key diatonically, but it's moving through these sounds that sound just like, like you're traveling through space and it's like really beautiful. It's like a film score. I mean, it's musical, so it has to be more film score. It has to be more, um, literally attuned to what is going on in the story and I, I think i was actually listening to a track from a musical sung by this um woman who was very ill who longed to be able to uh live her life without retreating into the escapism of books i think it's called i read and i was listening to this and i was like wow this is just so gorgeous <laughs> and uh i uh, got really inspired to write vesica pisces so that's just one facet though of my musical personality my profile yeah sure i mean Um, i know i i I know that you don't like to be put into boxes because by when i hear an album of yours i hear all type all manners of configurations you know from the duo to the trio quartet quintet what have you you know and uh so that's another way in which you kind of express your your freedom oh yes and freedom is the goal to be able to express express through through all the nuances of of human emotion like um to be able to go 360 across the yin and yang of the opposites you know so is that what drew you to jazz in the first place because you that that you know that goal of freedom in your mind because jazz really does kind of I mean, it's renowned <laughs> as as an art yeah. form to to kind of that to for granting musicians with that with that uh, possibility. With yeah, that you're one hundred percent right. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. When I uh, discovered jazz, the reason I wanted to go after this particular art form was because of the fact that you were free to improvise and create your own voice and. Um, be able to do essentially what you wanted 
But at the same time, I want to caveat and say that I was willing to embrace the challenge of doing what I wanted within a, the parameters of creating a cohesive narrative. There's actually a great interview where Brad Meldow speaks so eloquently about this idea that because jazz, like the, the, the mech, the vehicle for jazz is improvisation. So unfortunately, the ending result of that is a lot of fluff, a lot of it being unfortunately acceptable to make a lot of egregious, I don't want to say mistakes because I embrace mistakes. That's what makes jazz interesting because a lot of the great music that happened in all the revered recordings are probably mistakes so yeah uh what i'm trying to say is that he said that it was easy to get a lot of bullshit right and <laughs> yeah, that's true my idea was to balance this openness and freedom uh to be able to spontaneously compose but uh also do it in a way that was still um musically sound not sound but i mean that sounds so i don't know but I, I i think he was comparing it to classical music where it's like everything is so perfect and the intent is so perfect and the mm. way it comes out is so thought out and he was saying that um the challenge is to still create beauty in the moment and that was i i I loved, I loved the idea of taking on that challenge and being able to create something in the moment that was, that was really good because. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although it is, it is interesting how that happens though, because even when we think of classical music though, I, I somehow doubt that someone like Bach would have played a composition of his the exact same way every time. I, maybe I just don't want to believe it. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the great classical composers were also uh, good improvisers. Mm. And I think it was only, I don't know what year, but somewhere along the lines, history decided that classical music was classical music. <laughs> it was going to be studied and revered, and it's just the way it was. But I think the greatest cats, like who moved the music forward in classical uh, yeah. repertoire, they had the ability to to improvise because they understood how to manipulate the like underpinnings of what made the music good. Well, so, okay, so, I mean, we talked about philosophy, mythology, music, and all sorts of things, but there's one thing that I also wanted to ask you because we did mention the word confidence, and uh, that confidence, of course, comes from knowledge which you have, definitely. Uh, and uh, then there's the music itself. But then there's also, when I think of your music, a visual side to it. Because I think that even when we look at your album covers, for example, I, when we talk about kind of getting outside of those boxes and maybe defying, uh, you know, a perception of uh, musicians who work within certain genres or styles or art forms, I think you kind of get away from all that and do your own thing in that sense too i i've said before that expressing my my vision or my artistry through fashion beauty and visual poise and charisma uh is equally as important to who i am as an artist um as my music is 
because I think, especially when you're com- consuming an artist's live, it's an audio visual experience. It's not just auditory. And I like to make it an overstimulating sensory experience when I perform and when I express myself through my artwork. Uh, because I think there is nothing wrong with the idea of an artist creating a myth around their own brand. And visually, that is a huge part of my brand. Mm-hmm. One of the most famous stone terracotta reliefs uh, that was excavated of Inanna is a famous um, portrayal of her standing upright with wings and talons for feet. And mm. she is flanked by two lions and two owls. And the lions represent her courage and her strength. And the owls represent her inner darkness and her uh, wisdom. And that image is burned into your brain if you know Inanna. Right. And it's, it's, it's powerful. Like music... Sorry, like... Uh, like, you know how the, the saying, like, an image speaks a thousand words? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the same idea. And I, and I think that I want my music to do that. I want my image to do that. One of the things I haven't talked about with Inanna and how much she has inspired me is how unabashedly, like, confident she is in her sex appeal as a, as a woman. I mean, she's the goddess of fertility for like like she is like unabashedly like sexy and you know i uh i'm a woman i'm a 26 year old warm-blooded female (laughs) i like to express myself and i find it so draining to feel that i need to appear more professional to be taken more seriously which has been a thing that has been discussed you know, the pearl clutching, like, I mean, even in classical music, you know, it's like, you need to present yourself a certain way so that the music can be presented without any pollution or whatever. And I'm like, no, be an artist, express yourself. It is, I mean, I don't want to touch on politics at all, right. at all ever, because I think mythology transcends, uh, just art transcends politics. Um, but I will say that there's like a, an, an imagined pressure to be more like the guys in jazz, you know, like wear the pantsuit, wear the thing, be taken seriously. And I'm like, no, be, wear your high heels, do your, just be hot (laughs) as long as you can play your butt off. I mean, that's a confidence thing that I think a lot of women suffer with because they have somehow, it's common to somehow compartmentalize being sexy with serving men or male like gratification. And I find that to be such a defeatist victim mentality. And I think you don't need to think that way if, if you want to be attractive. I don't know. It's, 
You know, it reminds <laughs> me of what uh, what Benny Goodman said back in the day. If you feel special about yourself, you're going to play special. <laughs> he was all about looking good on stage. You know, I think of Miles Davis and the flashy outfits he wore sometimes, you know. I don't know if they would have oh, been yeah. traditional <laughs> in the jazz sense, you know, but uh, definitely yeah. we remember them. He was them swagging and, out yeah, with totally. his Burberry trench coat, and I I think there's much to be swagged. Definitely. Fashion is like your arbor. You mm. know, it's like your body. It's like your face paint. I mean, like, that's how I feel about beauty and makeup. Like, it's like your your war paint, uh, like, to, to go out in the world and express yourself and, like, yeah, so fashion is like body armor and makeup and hair is like war paint and that's how you go and, and go for it yeah you need to be unafraid uh, yeah. absolutely well it's a great message mm-hmm. um connie it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you <laughs> it's been a fascinating conversation <laughs> for real and uh yeah great great album so uh definitely encourage uh folks to check out secrets of inana uh coming coming at you soon but connie thank you very much for joining us it's been a pleasure Thank you, Matt, for giving me this amazing platform to speak at length about all of these things I'm so passionate about. <laughs> yeah. enjoyed our conversation with Connie Han. Her new album, Secrets of Inanna, will be released on September 23rd on Mac Avenue. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out our Jazz Is Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzis.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more. And as music from Secrets of Inanna plays us out, I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz Is podcasting content coming at you real soon. In the meantime, this is Matt Mikuchi signing off. See you soon. Bye.